Do you remember that old joke, three comdis professionals walk into a bar and, oh, wait, you've never heard it before? We haven't either. But what if three comdis professionals did walk into a bar, sit down at a table, and have thoughtful conversations about a whole host of topics? What if you could eavesdrop and maybe even pull up your own chair? And what if that bar was actually a coffee shop because at least one of us would inevitably fall asleep or want to dance after a couple glasses of wine? This series is that conversation in the coffee shop where you get to listen in on thoughtful discussions about a variety of topics from the perspective of a medical SLP, a school-based SLP, and a professor in communication sciences and disorders. Grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's get started. Happy, happy new year. Happy 2022. We're going to be starting our episode today talking about career direction and our professional passions. So many of SLPs that I work with, they have this big why they want to do what they want to do in our careers. And sometimes we lose some of that light and that focus. So we, as our Fishbowl series, decided that this episode would be dedicated to really keeping in touch with our professional passions and our career directions, really stepping into why we became speech pathologists. So welcome, Janet. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Happy New Year, everyone. It's Katie, your neighborhood school SLP. Hi, everyone. It's Janet Tilstra. I'm representing higher ed. I do want to say we're all recording in Minnesota, and yesterday... (laughs) There was, I woke up to a high of minus 26. So just contextualizing. Happy New Year. Yes. But remember, then it did warm up. It did. Over 20 degrees. And when I walked out in the afternoon, it was a balmy zero. Mm. Right? Yeah. And yesterday at, when my register, my car registered 27 below, I was locking my car and walking in scrubs across a very cold, windy hospital parking lot. So I definitely am um, remember that 27 below in scrubs walk yesterday. Scrubs are like a half step above tissue paper, right? In terms <laughs> of like warmth and insulation. Yeah, it's like stepping out in a dress and nylons. There's no protection there. You're like, what? Am I wearing anything there? Cold. <laughs> it's like those flower bag dresses, whatever, from the Depression era. Mm-hmm. Like the flower sack, yep. except scrubs. All right. Well, we've deviated from the topic already. <laughs> that's, that's one of the best things about us. Well, we we are excited for today's um, topic because we're just going to be talking about keeping in touch with that um, um, profession, that big why, our passions, and how um, to manage some career questions. So our first question is, what do I do when I feel I need to recharge my career or my passion and I'm just feeling some loss? Katie or Janet, either one of you want to start? I can start. <laughs> this is Janet. Um, I often think about the feelings of either feeling restless or disillusioned as kind of, you know, there just are these little um, things that noodle around um, for me that that are signposts to whether I'm starting to feel a need to make a change. And so for me, I think that's the first piece of it is just recognizing like, what's going on? Is there something that's signaling um, I got to change something up? 
And then what form does that change need to make? And it may or may be, may or may not be related to job change type of things, or it might be something else that's just more of a qualitative change in the way, um, in the structure of my work or the way I'm operating. Katie, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I, um, I, I think about this question and, you know, Maddie, you used the word, uh, I think like recharge, um, and, I think for me, when I start to feel a little discontent or a little disillusioned, um, a couple of things happen. Almost always there'll be this moment or this experience that kind of happens organically that reminds me of why I am where I am and why I'm working with the population that I'm working with. And I make a really conscious mental note of that. Like I note that with intention and I can remember that later. Uh, and I think too, uh, when I start to feel somewhat disillusioned, uh, I, I think about what what would you do instead and what would draw you versus, well, I'm feeling disillusioned, so I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Because I think my biggest concern when I think about career direction or career change is uh, inadvertently making a lateral move. But I also don't want to make decisions out of a place of fear. Uh, And I think sometimes when we feel particularly disillusionment, I think, um, and discontent, we're more inclined to make decisions from a place of fear or desperation. Mm -hmm. And that's not always, always helpful. No, coming from a place of strength and 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 understanding and retrospect is, I think, important. So when I think about why sometimes I feel I need to recharge, is it truly because I'm re- needing to recharge my career, my setting, what I'm doing, or is it because of a factor external from my career? Maybe something's happening in my personal life. Um, or somewhere where it's bleeding over into what I do. So I try to establish boundaries where <clears throat> I have my my home life and, and everything that happens there in my career. And I really try hard when I'm done with my end of my day, my charting is done, everything's done. I walk back across that cold parking lot. So when I do begin to feel disillusioned, I make sure it's in the right camp where I do feel that disillusion and then begin to address the factors of why I'm feeling disillusioned. And sometimes um, it's like going to the store and buying a new outfit. You put something on and you're like, oh, I love being up to date with what I'm wearing, something new, something. um, It just makes me feel better. And sometimes I'll do that with my career. I'll take a, a, a course that I've been looking at taking. Like this past summer, I took a 15-hour gender-affirming voice, whole entire week-long course, absolutely revamped what I'm doing. And so I'll take a new course, or I'll join a discussion group on Facebook SLP, or I'll connect with SLPs that I know just really fill my cup. And those are some things that I do when I want to recharge in my career. 
Wow. I love that idea of taking a new class or, or taking a class or connecting with a new group of like-minded folks. I think when we talk about career direction, sometimes I can get stuck in all or nothing thinking. Black, white, stay, go, up, down, do this, don't do this. And what I'm hearing from you, Maddie, is this more um, nuanced and <laughs> nuanced approach that has some options and some choices to it. And I think what you're suggesting is that if you can reintroduce choice, you can reintroduce some some freedom uh, to an experience where maybe you're feeling like you don't have a lot of choice or freedom. And sometimes what you do may not be directly tied to this is where I'm going eight to five, but rather it's tied to your profession and kind of feeding that passion for your profession. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you both are saying. I'm Maddie, I think, um, well, I, 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 there are pieces of both what both of you are saying that, that make so much sense to me. I mean, I think back to when I was in high school and we did those like career assessment things. I think it tends to be very categorical. Like you should be a train engineer. No lie. I got that one once. So what, <laughs> so do I I'm go? I'm not laughing at you. Sorry, Janet. I know, right? You have so much, <laughs> I, I demand, oh, you just have so many dimensions. Anyway, so, um, I, I did one later kind of like in my 20s and it was like, you should be a judge or a dean of students, right? And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how, this isn't screaming work-life balance to me, right? So I had a wonderful mentor, um, shout out to Gail Anderson, who she, she said, what is it about that thing or that category that, like, let's break it apart. What are the kinds of things that a person in that sort of position might be doing that resonate with you and your skills and your interests. And um, I think that's probably much more in line with a lot of the current mm -hmm. career assessments, things like uh, strengths finders. Probably some of us have done Myers-Briggs or there's, I think, Hiro analysis. Um, I have a daughter who's an organizational psychologist, so she could rattle off a big list. Um, but I think, I think that really that, more nuanced piece is really, really important. Um, Maddie, I was thinking for myself, um, I'm, I'm working on a certificate in strategy and innovation from a business college, right? Like how, how relevant does that feel on the surface to SLP? Maybe not, but I got to tell you every time, like I took a course on disruptive innovations in the fall and I was just like, it just lit me up. I was like, oh, wow. And I start to see all kinds of connections. So some of the things that you pursue might be like a specialty within the SLP field. And some of the things may be like a supplemental, maybe not even sure exactly how it relates, but it's going to build on who you are and the skills you bring. Um, and you may use that within your current position, or maybe it's going to direct you a different way. And you probably don't know on the front end. When you use the phrase, um, like it lit me up, I think that is a huge thing to pay attention to. We have those moments where maybe you feel lightness or you're feeling tingly, or you're just feeling like everything is just jiving. It's working. It's there's flow, right? And 
And when those moments occur, it, it's imperative that we pay attention. What's happening in those moments? Is it a class? Is it a job? Is it a conversation with a colleague? Is it something that we're doing that is outside of our profession? Maybe. But the, the light, that uh, experience of, yeah, this, that's it. That's it. That's working for me. That's what we need to pay attention to when we're having these kind of larger conversations around career direction. What do you do next? When do you decide it's time to go? I say go towards what lights you up right. and away from what makes you feel heavy. Absolutely. I heard an interview with um, America Ferreira, um, and she's a, an actor, an activist, producer, director. And the person interviewing her was trying to initially sort of have her explain um, who she was or kind of her identity. And um, America came back to this concept of integration. And she was very hesitant to, to sort of label herself as an actor or a director or a producer or an activist. She basically was saying, I'm all of those things, right? And something about that really resonated for me because um, I'm sometimes hesitant to say, like, speech language pathologist singularly defines my identity, because it doesn't, right? It's a piece of it. It's a really important, vital piece. It's a knowledge base. It's profession and a skill set. And there's yeah. lots of other pieces of that make up the whole me. So I've been coming back to that idea of like integrated self, right? Like who's the whole you? Um, and I think that can inform, again, just those balance of whether it's wow, I need to make a career change. And uh, Maddie's growing some of her coaching with other SLPs. So that's sort of adding a dimension and growing that piece while she maintains her practitioner slice and her teaching slice. So yeah, I really do think this whole concept of it doesn't have to be like this or that, black or white. I think that that's very informative for me. And being true to ourselves and following our own paths. And I don't want that to sound trite, but so many times I, I have, I've met SLPs who are like, this is where my career is going. And Katie, you mentioned lateral versus um, vertical moves. They're worried that if they, you know, shift something that they're, they've lost so much time because they've spent so many years in the educational setting, um, how do they justify stepping away? Or how do they sh justify augmenting their careers or something like that? And really realizing that we can have our careers and take it where we want it to go. The SLPs that I know that are the most content and passionate and, and enthusiastic about their jobs, and it's because they're able to cultivate their careers into positions working with people that they absolutely love, whether it's the colleagues, the clients, the patients, the teachings, whatever it is, they're taking their careers where they decide they want to go. Vanny, can we talk a little bit about the process of kind of like exploring alternative options? Sure. Um, I, I guess I have 
I have opinions. I have thoughts about this. <laughs> sure. Um, a few years back, probably five, no, probably eight years back, I was introduced to the concept of informational interviewing. Um, do you, have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. Anyway, some yes. of our listeners may or may not know about it, but um, it's basically formalizing a way of just having conversations with people who are doing things either you might be interested in doing or you want to know a little something more about. Um, I had an abrupt transition where I had um, a year where I was doing a few part-time gigs and I was trying to piece together what's the next thing. Um, And so some of these were cold calls. Some of these were um, introductions from another person. Like I could contact someone like Maddie and say, Maddie, I really want to talk to so-and-so. Could you do an email introduction? And then to the person I'm interested in having a conversation with, I email them, I make it brief, and I say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm kind of in the, I'm in the middle of a transition, or I'm thinking about making a change, I want to hear some more about what it's like to be a voice specialist. Could we arrange a half an hour video call um, to talk about that? And then at the informational interview, you have some questions. I mean, I think similar kind of to podcasty stuff, it's, you have questions, but those are sort of guidelines so that giving yourself enough freedom for the conversation to go where it may and to, to follow up. Um, but usually I want to hear a, a, just maybe it's about the person, how they got into that, what their typical day looks like, what do they like about it, what are some frustrations. And then at the end, you it's common practice to say, is there someone else you think I should talk with? And then that may lead to your next informational interview. Or maybe there was something in the conversation that lit you up, to use that phrase. And then you say, um, is there someone else I could talk with more about that particular piece? Um, So I think it's a way to impose some structure on your exploring. Um, I also think just what we know about happiness research We can presume or kind of imagine what we think might make us happier, but our best way to understand what that other experience is like is to hear someone who's doing something closer or more like that. And I think it gives us kind of a more informed way of thinking about a change. So exploring. Absolutely. Conversations with people who you may be considering moving into that area who have that spark right? and right. can share their journey. I, I love the idea of informational interviewing and I'm listening to, you know, this notion of exploring and, and I love all of those things. And I think sometimes we take a different path to, um, to, to changing careers. Uh, So one of the things we talked a little bit about before we got started um, was that I almost felt like forced into changing a career because I was so unhappy. And the job that I had been in previously just felt like energetically taxing and there was like this heaviness to how I moved through the world, whether I was at my job or not. And it got to the point where it was absolutely not tenable for me to stay. And I only then 
Um, was I willing <laughs> to consider things I hadn't ever considered before? So I always say, you know, you when you know better, you do better, right? And I would not advocate that as your guidepost, but I also am not being honest with you all if I say, yep, it was intuitive for me and I knew and I was able to make this change and everything was great. I almost was forced into it by the um, unbearable situation that I felt I was in at the time. So while I would not advocate that, uh, you know, I, I, when I say go towards things that make you feel lighter and away from things that make you feel heavy, that's also not trite. That was my lived experience and kind of what compelled me to shift. And, and so when you find that that heaviness or that exhaustion just keeps pushing into other aspects of your life in this unrelenting way, boy, look real close because that is something that can be a driver for so, for a, a complete shift in, in setting and position potentially. So thanks for sharing that, Katie, because that is, we'll come back to your question in a minute, Janet. But one of the questions somebody asked was, how do I know when I need to change jobs? And that is when it's not tenable to continue in your job. Um, in my case, it was, I was having, I was having nightmares about a position that, that I was in. And there are sometimes those, it's just not, you can't continue on and you know, you need to change. Yeah. I was thinking about, I've had some transitions where maybe it was time for a change and maybe I wasn't sure if it was, but then the that the, the position ended or something mm-hmm. abruptly changed it where the rug was pulled out from under me. And that's another, um, that's another different kind of a, a sort of forced transition. And I, I remember having emotions usually, um, where I, I have this compelling urge to like fill the slide, get back, get doing something. And, and, um, it's very hard for me to like take a beat, um, make a choice that's not an immediate, it's almost like, like a relationship. You don't want just a rebound relationship, right? Like you want to be moving forward, learning from the experience and doing better the next time around. Right. Um, yeah. I love that, Janet. We can't silo our careers and then silo our other relationships, but bringing that healthy mindset to our careers as well. And instead of waiting for a, a relationship, private relationship to implode, we take the healthy, what can we do to improve our relationship? What skills do we need to build? And it's the same with our careers. Instead of I mean, sometimes we don't have choices. Sometimes the rugs are pulled out from underneath us. Um, And we cannot change things about our work settings and the requirements and the people we work with. But there are some things that we can change and realizing what we can change and what we can't change and then setting about doing that in a healthy manner to take our relationships or our careers where we want them to go. I remember... Yeah, I re- I remember hearing, um, hearing. I think I was on a road trip and hearing something by Dr. Laura, who is not a radio host that I listen to a lot, but it was something about relationships. But one question she said 
that stuck with me. She said, can you live with this for five more years? Like that as sort of a signpost, like, you know, if your partner or whatever doesn't wipe off the counter and there's breadcrumbs from their bagels, being very specific here, um, <laughs> is that something you can live with for five more years? Yeah, probably, right? Um, and so I think there's probably some room to say that in terms of your career, like if X is happening in your career, can you live with that for five more years? And what does that look like, feel like, do to you if you do live with that for five more years? And is that a price you want to pay? I know yes. the older I get, the more I get into my career, my life, I am not willing to let a day go by where, and I know that's a generalized statement, but I want to be happy. And I want to be in a place where I feel valued and like I'm contributing and making a difference. So Janet, you asked earlier, you know, how do we, what are the steps in, in exploring when, when we do feel disillusioned, what can we do? One of the reasons I, and I, I, I started, one of the reasons I even started coaching in the podcast was I think two and a half years ago, I was at this place where I felt disillusioned. I was working in a skilled nursing facility and the requirements were huge. And even though I loved the, the team I was working with and the people I was working with, it was not somewhere I wanted to see myself in five years because of some other factors involved. And so I met with a coach and we vision boarded. And when I first started it, my left brain was, you know, it's vision boarding, it's pictures, and I'm not a picture person. But I thought about what I wanted to do. What do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? And I wrote down 300 post-it notes of any time an idea came to my mind, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do with my career? I wrote it down. I would love to sleep in a haunted house. Um, I would love to climb a mountain peak. I would love to meet Oprah. That's not going to happen. Um, I would love to write a book. I would love to start a podcast. And I started exploring all of these really, I, just dreaming all of these great things I wanted to do. And then I organized them into categories. Financially, these are my goals. Um, career-wise, writing-wise, because I love to write. These are all my, my goals. And then I created um, a roadmap. These are the things that I want to focus on right now. These are the things that I'm going to be doing three years down the road as I explore other careers And so to answer your question, Janet, it's taking the first step is deciding that you want to change Mm. and then figuring out and exploring and then coming up with a plan. Mm. So, you know, Maddie, when you talked about making the list of the things that you want to do, Mm. uh, I think a, a companion message to that, or perhaps even another path is is making that list of, of how you want to feel. So you kind of started with, I want to feel happy and here are the things I'm going to do yes. that align with that. I think for me, um, I almost have come in at the opposite direction. I've made the list of how I want to feel mm-hmm. and I'm going to trust. And, and and again, that's not like my left brain is like, what are you saying right now? Because, you know, we're kind of structured, sequential, evidence-based people. But what I'm saying is I think tuning into 
how I want to feel and not trying to put so many um, parameters and controls around what that may look like has given me some relief or some grace with just kind of how I am treating myself with these changes and decisions. I don't have to know how all of that is going to look just yet. I just, I just want to have certainty about how I want to feel. Mm. And, and when I feel that way, I'll do more of that. And when I'm not feeling that way, I'll do less of that. And so I think both approaches work. I think they can both help. I, and I think there's some overlap there. But again, when we're talking about this huge idea of career change, career direction, what are the things we can kind of, you know, wrap our, our minds and our hearts around that inform how to traverse what is really a path. It's not a single decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about my, my parallels, probably my um, energizing and soul sucking list. Um, and so where, what are the things that feel more energizing? And that's not just about job, but in life, what are the things that feel more, more energizing? Um, as you were talking, Katie, I was, I was also thinking about um, the process a little bit. And for, for SLPs who have full plates and big, full schedules, I mean, it may be unrealistic to say, I'm going to carve out a year to explore. But I think the dipping in, like these, these visioning boards, these lists, maybe you do one thing different, you know, whether it's I'm going to volunteer to um, assist with my state association convention planning. Maybe that's something you just try. It's short term, sort of prototype what that feels like. Um, maybe you work in schools, but in the summer you're like, I'm going to just, I'm going to duck back into skilled nursing facility, sort of see what that feels like. Um, and I think these kind of like short term places or you can try something out and then assess, you know, is this feeling like a lateral similar thing and I don't have any gains by making that change? Or is this feeling like there's something different that really feels energizing um, about that change or something more like that. And I do think it can even be tinier bites still uh, where it, it, for someone listening to this podcast right now, they're thinking, I do not have time to volunteer for a fill in the blank. I would suggest to you that you do have five minutes where you can stop, take a breath, say, how am I feeling right now? How do I want to feel? It's it's simply a kind of breaking that reactive loop of just kind of mindlessly moving through. And so if even those things still feel too big, if it's like, yeah, I am a person that works in the school in the first three weeks of summer, I don't talk to anyone. I can't imagine working in a skilled nursing facility. That's okay. Maybe spend a little time with yourself. And and so always there's five minutes, always. And the more we can kind of just check in with ourselves and kind of pay attention, I, I think that information is always coming to us. But if we're kind of in that reactive loop, we're not always able to kind of process it. And so that's where if 
If you're feeling like our stair steps are still too big, I would suggest the five-minute stair step is manageable. I love that reminder, Katie. Thank you. <laughs> I have a, a, a story I've told to students before, but um, it's when they're, they're, for students, the assignment is like giving parents a, like how to support language development thing. And um, in, in my family, we prepare for Christmas and we celebrate Advent. And so one time when my kids were young, we had some like family reading every day that was like, you know, something to inspire us and then some tangible thing. And one of the examples was like, make Christmas cards for everyone in your neighborhood. And I'm like, what? This is untenable, too much, not realistic. So the spirit of whoever did that writing, you know, the person really was well-intended, um, but it was just, it was too much. And um, thank you for that. Coming back to like the five minutes, um, because sometimes there may be enough bandwidth to do a bigger try something out. But if there isn't, the five minutes, those those like micro changes are so, so important. So I really appreciate that kind of course correction, if you will. And realizing that we have different seasons in our lives. The time when I did the big hired a coach into the vision boarding, my first husband had died. My children were grown. I had just remarried and just moved to a new town, leaving a private practice of 24 years. And so I was at a point where I was ready for some deep, and I had the time for some deep reflection and the need for some deep reflection. And you are very right. Sometimes, you know, it's the five minutes. Sometimes it's the little bite fun size pops of chocolate that we put in or little thoughts that we do during the day to improve our, our lives and our careers. And I love the having our fingers on the pulse of our feelings and coming from not a reactive mode, but from a reflective mode. Yeah. I had this analogy of like a, a menu. I was thinking, oh, there's a menu of choices, mm -hmm. right? As you were talking about chocolate and it was like, sometimes it's, I'm going to try a new appetizer. Sometimes it's, I'm going to take a cooking class, right? right? And everything in between. And that's fine because those are the different skills or stages of our life or stages of our careers that we're at. And, and recognizing that reminds me, Janet, um, just before we started this podcast, you stepped away to get a cup of coffee. And Katie and I were talking about how sometimes we treat ourselves to different coffee drinks and the, the nicer coffees for the weekend or maybe a Bailey's on a Sunday and how it's so important to not to sometimes feed ourselves first and take care of ourselves, which is that five little five minute thing we can do. As we wrap up our session, any words to our younger self, final words to our younger self about uh, career direction, career choices, final snippets? Well, one of my thoughts, I don't know if it's to my younger self or to current younger people, um, I think with the pandemic and a lot of people emerging from remote work, um, there are many of us who are reassessing, you know, what does this balance mm -hmm. feel like? How is my career fitting in with the rest of my life and and what do I want to feel like or what do I want that to look like? So I think just, I would just say giving um, our listeners permission to sort of notice what you're feeling, feel what you're feeling 
ask questions, think about possibilities. Um, the second piece I want to say is I do think like if you were doing leaving a relationship, if you decide to make some kind of a major shift, that's probably not going to feel like you're slamming the door, shouting something and, and leaving a situation never to come back to it. I mean, it usually is more nuanced than that. There are things you love and there are things that are incredibly challenging and there can be things that are painful. So think more about what are the reasons in front of you and know that there may be some complex feelings about making a change if it's a major change. Well said. Katie? I think I would tell my younger self, don't let loyalty and guilt be your drivers uh, when you're wondering if you should stay or go in any situation, a career, uh, a, prof yeah, a professional commitment, um, a relationship. Um, think about how you want to feel and let how that feeling resonates be your guide. Uh, and so I wish someone had told me uh, that my happiness was to be factored into that equation sooner. So I would tell my younger self, pay attention to how you want to feel and move towards those feelings and away from how you don't feel. I love that. My words to my younger self would be to trust myself more and to listen to myself more and that what I want and what I need are just as valuable as what everybody else wants and what everybody else needs and not always put myself at the end of the day eating the leftovers or taking what's you know left but my life it's my career it's not that I'm the center of the universe but my needs and my desires and my feelings are very important and to to put those up there and not put myself at the end all the time well, thank you. This was a great episode. Thank you so much, Maddie thank and Katie. You. This was delightful. Great way to start a new year. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP. Continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the Missing Link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.